0: You were telling me that the bill that you gave me was no good, and that, like the, the coupon um, it, it hadn't so much expired as it hadn't been printed yet I'm not sure how you got a hold on this And What do you mean the coupon was expired? It should be good. It should be good for the next thousand years. I, I was able to get the Panda Express, don't, don't worry about it but um, more importantly how many corkboards have you put up here? Oh, it's it's a lot. I had to do it. Okay, for reference, like Thompson has like, constructed like a tesseract of corkboards here my eyes are swimming a bit trying to track all these. And
1: in-and in honor of the subject, I've arranged them all vertically.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, or at least a projection of them, I'm... Okay, this is making me dizzy, just moving around the room. Okay, yeah, what the fuck is all this? Why-why well, why did you need to set up this much stuff? It, what, is just, you know... Is the cork wall we have in the other room not good enough for you anymore? Do you need to go into the four dimensions now? Oh, you mean in the the, the circular room of cork? That room is for this exact sort of situation, Torsten. I,
1: I thought that was for, like, hiding from Hounds of the Angles. Oops, wrong game. I, I think it helped us against Lucifuge that one time, so... Well, speaking of Lucifuge, um, I'm about to get in trouble with oh Sleepers God. again. Oh, God. More specifically, I'm going to get in trouble with the Eastern Branch. Okay,
0: that explains the, the music... I wonder if I should be offended or not, but I think you're just kinda of getting the vibe. I got this is ambient like music to sure, study. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> music like, to lo-fi study Chinese and conspire things. to. That's right. Lo lo fi Lo Fi traditional Chinese strings to uh, study and conspire to. It,
1: it, it was, it was thematically appropriate, and also- Yeah, no, I get it. before.
0: I'll get in the comfy chair for this, I, uh, I think I'm in for a bit of a ride here. Oh, well, no, we can sit, sit cross-legged on the floor. Okay, okay.
1: Come on, sit cross-legged on the floor. You're yeah, fine,
0: nice. I, I can never get comf- No, I
1: can never get comfortable like this, I think it's something up in my hips. What'd you get from Panda Express, what is this? Ah, yes, the, the ancient and authentic Chinese dish of honey chicken. Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Um, Hey, I was hungry. It, it's like we're going to be getting, like, decent Chinese food anywhere nearby here anyway. The fact that we happen to have that Panda Express within walking distance of wherever the fuck this is. Uh, I mean, they're fucking everywhere, dude. Uh, you've spent time more time uh, in East Asia than I have. Do they have pandas over in East Asia? Like, Panda Express. Uh, maybe. Not really. I, I could see them maybe on like military bases and shit.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I went on the Yongsan base in Seoul years ago. I think it's gone now, or I might be getting rid of it. But it was a, it's a real experience because it was like walking into like America in terms of the street signs and yeah, the the roads but were just like and this ten square mile radius of America in the middle of Korea. So yeah, I was I was there. With, I was, like, signed in because I was with this Texan dude who was an ex-military like, guy... And he was a nutter, and he was going to buy a giant teddy bear to give to the girl he was seeing at the time, and he sort of like left me to wander. So I wandered into the mall, and I was hungry, and I had I was like, "Ooh, Taco Bell! I've never had Taco Bell." This is at the time Taco Bell, oh that must have been disappointing. Well, no, because no, it was fine because it was like an exotic experience. I'm like, I didn't expect (laughs) it to be good. I knew it. I wasn't going in there saying like this will be some quality Mexican food. No, I wanted it to but be. You wanted it to be shit, but
0: you're like, oh, okay, this is all things considered not that not too terrible.
1: And I was like looking around this mob and I'm like, oh, all these American delights. I'll get Taco Bell. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. I, I don't know when I'm next gonna if I'll come back on this base again. I'll get a second lunch. I'll go get some American Chinese food for lunch. I don't think I've been
0: in a Taco Bell outside of the hours. Uh, between the hours of midnight and six AM, in like, of course, fifteen years, of course, I I, I
1: understand, but it's, yes. it's it's different cultural experience. Well, no, like, like I did, like a, listen,
0: listen. I give Taco Bell shit, but at two in the morning, crossfade as fuck, it is some of the best meals I've ever had.
1: There you go. And I could, I could believe it. I yeah. could believe it. Like here, it's like if you're out drinking late, it'll be a kebab, which is also just as good. Yeah. It's it's, it's a wonderful. Yeah, thing. no,
0: exactly. It is drunk food. And it is like all good drunk food. It is available at all hours of the day. That's right.
1: But I do know that in terms of like American Chinese food and Western Chinese food in general, because in Australia, the Chinese food that we have is Western but westernized in a different way i think than american so we don't really have like general Tso's chicken and things like that yeah um and i think a lot of the chinese food we do get comes like via like malaysian chinese yeah food, it's very uh, much like
0: i I'd get i'd imagine that the chinese food in australia is very much like america and that is
1: very heavily altered for an american slash australian palate sure but you can you can get like more quote-unquote authentic or more like a mainland Chinese style or like Taiwanese style or like off overseas Chinese style yeah. chi- ch- um, Chinese restaurants but they're in like the parts of the city which have lots of that population yeah um so you can find it but like if you go down to the local shopping center it's going to be it's going to be Australian Malaysian Chinese food Australian Chinese food it's, gonna be, it's fine it's fine I mean, in I my like experience like you
0: can get a surprising amount of that stuff at just like an average Chinese restaurant it's just I never buy it because I've never had it before and don't really know what the fuck it is and you know, I mean, Shop, yeah, man. it's expensive
1: enough that I'm kind of risk averse. I'm very much like anti the sort of, um, what is it, uh, snobbery of just like, oh, this is the real authentic stuff yeah. versus the all that yeah. trash. I'm just yeah. like, come on, it's, it's delicious. <laughs> it's yeah, delicious. I mean, what, what the, the fuck, fuck does it matter if it doesn't taste good? Well, or if, if it does taste like good, China's- which a lot of time it does,
0: yeah, fucking try
1: it. And Chinese people went everywhere and if you go to every country, they're gonna have their local variation on chinese food you go to jamaica they have their own traditional chinese food peru does lots of countries have their own traditions and china itself doesn't have like one style it has very many different styles yeah china's a place, big so. fucking country
0: it turns out with <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of different ethnic groups and culinary traditions contained within it
1: yes and if you're like oh this 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 sweet and sour pork is authentic and then you go to China, and they'll do it in like seven different ways, depending on what kind of yeah. country, what part of the country you're in. And also, like, if you're going to get like authentic, made by like a little old lady, she's not going to make it the same as the little old lady who lives down the street. So what's don't don't. Well, and then to all those food.
0: seven people say that the the rest of the people's sweet and sour pork is not authentic.
1: That's right. That's right. Like when I was in Korea, they they have tang, tangsuyuk, which is the Korean version of. Uh, sweet and sour pork is just, you have to dip it in the sauce, and the sauce is very viscous. <laughs> and sure. it's, 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 completely different. Uh, anyway, anyway, moving on. The reason we talk about Chinese food is because I have been, well, actually, this, my topic hasn't got much to do with food. Um, not really. I think I see a couple, like, fortune cookie things
0: pinned up on there. Oh, yeah, here.
1: which was, yeah, the fortune cookie invented by a Japanese guy in America and ascribed to the Chinese, but still. Well, was uh, he involved the sleepers animates. somehow? I don't think so. Maybe right. you never know. That's the thing with sleepers. <laughs> anyone could be, anyone could be involved. Especially the, even the fortune. the fortune cookie was invented too early for the sleepers. I think.
0: Well, that's what. Of, of course, that's what a bunch of cleomancers would want you to think.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. They could just like. Pay, <laughs> but it was invented in 1918. So that, that's the great spectrum. thing about cleomancy. It,
0: it removes all concerns of consistent
1: uh, chronology from your. Cons- Conspiracy theorizing. That's right. Oh wait, no, it was was it was invented by a Chinese guy in the US. I thought it was made by. A, oh, there's multiple theories. There's oh, anyway, let's, let's
0: oh well, let's <laughs> let, let's, let, let's put a bookmark in this one. The
1: fortune cookie. We'll do an episode <laughs> just of the fortune cookie. I I wouldn't be against it, um, but we're gonna go into. The Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose Okay, alright, interesting
0: Um, yeah, okay, that would explain a lot Because these guys, I don't know that much about these guys Other than, you know, what's in, like, the original splat books Or, excuse ma- usual, usual manuals Um. God, kind of what do they, I remember they, for they these guys? Manual. Yeah, there's, like, um, they're involved the sleepers pretty heavily And that's a big old clusterfuck that I'll let you get into um, yep. They're supposed to be really old. Yep. Um, like thousands of years or over a thousand years. Yep. They fight, like, did they, they focus on, like, fighting demons and hungry ghosts and shit? And they deal with avatars a lot? Yep. And, That's the, uh... um, oh, the other thing that sticks out is they have a history of going at it with the Fallen Gone. Which Hell. has a very different connotation now versus when those uh, books were originally written in the 90s.
1: Yeah, I don't think that the the, the sleep that the Brotherhood did anything to the Falun Gong that that compares to what the CCP did to the Falun Gong. So yeah. well, I mean, from you, what you, I remember, barely those worth books, mentioning.
0: Well, I remember in those books, there's a certain amount of... Because uh, like, they're, they're like a cult of bureaucrats, right? Or at least that's like what their
1: origins are? That's what they're said to be.
0: Okay, and like they're, they're still supposed to be involved with the CCP in a certain degree, though. Also, um, what the books say is that the CCP really cracked down on them a lot.
1: Yeah, they smashed them. Which is actually very... Which is really important for the recent history of the Brotherhood. Oh, okay. um, such as it is. So... To go into what the, the manual does say about the uh, Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose, uh, I'm going to get into, like, it's it's arranged a bit, like, it era- it's arranged um, in the timeline. It starts with the, like, history of the sleepers and then goes yeah. back in time. So we'll go... Oh, yeah, Cleomancers, like I said. That's right, that's right. But uh, the thing is, that the idea of the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose has a backstory which predates the sleepers and Cleomancy. So I think a lot of it is true or at least based on truth so i'll cover this a bit and to cover that we have to go all the way back to the time of the sui dynasty
0: all right so for reference to the listeners and also me who does not have the dates of various chinese dynasties memorized
1: what when is the sui dynasty are we going to do the thing where i say dynasty do you say dynasty i think we should uh, uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did that in Game of Thrones. We should do it too. Uh, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. What are we talking here? One of my pet peeves when people talk about uh, Chinese history is that, like, in the description in Hush Hush, they describe the history of the Brotherhood as some of the people who were smart enough to pass the Sui Dynasty bureaucratic exam. Okay, years, Thompson. Give me years. I will. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But let me get to my. Uh, they did so and used their occult powers to cement their temporal power. Today, there's no way of knowing how many ancient mandarins were sorcerers as well, and this is what annoys me. And like, like the word mandarin doesn't bother me because it's accurate; it's where it came from. But like, ancient, like people talk about Chinese history, it's everything is fucking ancient up to the Qing Dynasty. It's always described as ancient.
0: Yeah, one of those cliches I always hear about Chinese histories is like, oh yeah, there there is a cultural legacy and continuity of uh, authority oh, going yeah, back yeah. thousands of years, and i uh, that. Seems some like a lot of bullshit yeah. to me, considering it, how many fucking uh, civil wars and rebel, and peasant rebellions and all that shit that have happened,
1: and foreign dynasties, yeah. and like, yeah, it is. It has truth to it in many ways because you can see the cultural. And to an extent, political continuity across entities and across time, but to say that it was there was no major interruptions would be very silly. So,
0: how much is that idea kind of one pushed by orientalist versus pushed by both? both. Oh, so pushed it's by pushed by, by people
1: well. inside and outside. All right, I I, do, I remember like now i'm thinking of when trump went to china and he's walking around with xi jinping and then like xi jinping is talking about like oh china is so this ancient ancient civilization he's like talking it up and trump's like yeah but egypt was older perfect perfect like they should, I wish I wish Trump wasn't president. Just like a diplomat that was sent to annoy like people around the world. That's what it. No, like that,
0: yeah. Me. Instead of having him as like elected as president, someone like ten years ago should have made him an ambassador to somewhere. That would have been fucking glorious. Yeah,
1: that would be the better timeline. Yes, much better, much timeline. better timeline. Now, the Sui Dynasty was a very short dynasty, um, between 581 and 618 AD. So, this is why it annoys me that it's called, like, ancient. It's like, it's really much on the cusp. Come on. Like, anything after the fall of Rome, we were into Middle Ages or Dark Ages territory, which doesn't fit with Chinese historiography. Well, Middle Ages is more broad.
0: Middle Ages applies to, like, everywhere, whereas Dark Ages is a pretty Europe-specific label,
1: right? Even Middle Ages is is very Europe-specific because it's the Middle between, like, the the ancient, the classical civilization and the Renaissance, which doesn't really apply to places like China and India and elsewhere. They have their own historiography going on. But I still think that it's too late in history to be calling them ancient sure. mandarins they were like it was medieval mandarins <laughs> and, and it, even though the history doesn't quite make sense it's better word in my opinion but anyway yeah. that's, a, that's a pointless spiel um, but it was a very short dynasty but a very important because it was it you uni- it unified the country it had been di- divided between the uh, northern and southern dynasties um, for a while, they had like a whole bunch, a few centuries of just tumultuous nonsense, uh, which happens. And they laid, and the Sui laid, little uh, laid the foundations for the Tang Dynasty, which is the like a longer-lasting, very influential, and in my opinion, most based dynasty because they just had a lot of cool shit.
0: What? Okay, you mean based in that as opposed to like debased.
1: Oh, there was a bit of debasement going okay. on, you know, but okay. you have to it was, you know, it was, Well,
0: it was to a, to a, a certain fight. degree they they kind of go together a bit
1: Yeah, they had, all, they had all crazy things, they had like big fucking banquets and automatons and Zoroastrians running around the capital and Nestorian Christians and control of half of fucking Central Asia and like a really big sort of cosmopolitan sort of okay. civilization okay. going on and, like, and the,
0: the, so this is the dynasty after the Sui dynasty.
1: Yes, 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 that's right. The Tang, the Tang were the cool guys. Um, they had like a, a thing where the big imperial feast. They have like expression like trees of meat and and like lakes of wine. Because they would just have these, like all these, like uh, like Chinese-style kebab sticks, sort of like with meat on them, like arranged in like trees, oh, right? Like, Literal little pools of wine for parties, uh, and a lot of this was exaggerated and stuff. But I, I enjoy these sort of details. Yeah. But anyway, before we get to the tongue, we have to talk about the this dynasty, which didn't last very long, because they got involved in a bunch of fucking disastrous uh, military campaigns. Um, against Gokuryo, which is one of the three kingdoms of Korea. Uh, the Gokuryo was, like, at the time there were three kingdoms. There was Ashila, Baekje, and Gokuryo. Um, the Shila were the weird, these fucking weird, like, caste system snobbish dudes that, like, judged you based on, like, the quality of your bone marrow. And Baekje were these weirdos oh, man. in the mountains. That's, and- that's
0: some fucking uh, phrenology we need to get back to. Fuck skull shape.
1: Tell me about your bone marrow. That's right. That's right. Well, the Goguryeo were up in basically they occupied what is like mostly like Manchuria now, um, mm-hmm. like or northeast China, mm-hmm. um, and they were like the sort of like semi not semi nomadic, but they were like they were horse dudes. Yeah, yeah. They were, they they were, they were, they were, were crazy horse dudes. yeah, yeah. And they were powerful, powerful enough to fight all of China and fuck up all of China for a while. Well, not like. Basically, it was it was it was a silly series of military campaigns that the, the, the Sui shouldn't have got involved in, and like lasted into the Tang dynasty area, um, or time period. Also, another thing that cost a lot of money and was a problem for the dynasty was they spent a lot of time building shit, which was very important. They extended the Great Wall, they constructed like um, the new capital, uh, big mega projects, and they also. Um, Built the Grand Canal, which was hugely important for the economy of China okay. going forward. That was like the canal connecting the, the two uh, major rivers of China, the Yellow and the Yangtze. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Um, Remember some shit yeah, from uh,
0: from fucking a Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh,
1: World History. Excuse me. App That's right. Yes. Now this is an interesting time period in terms of religion and culture for, chi- uh, for China. Because this is a period of time when Confucianism wasn't as big of a force as it became. It was a big force, a huge force, uh, but this is before Neo Confucianism came along and just took over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. How long was this after Confucius was around for? Just seven, eight hundred years. Okay, okay, so a while, a while. Yeah, in terms of like the occult mainstream of. china at the time period buddhism was big mm-hmm. um buddhism was very big um this first Sui emperor emperor Wen, he converted to buddhism to help legitimize his rule over china uh he sort of advertised himself as what was called as a uh, chakravati uh which is a sanskrit term for a it's like a the secular equivalent of a buddha sort of like a, a caesar pope type thing um, the secular the pope.
0: okay that, that sounds kind of uh, paradoxical to me like uh, isn't a
1: buddha fundamentally religious figure well it's 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 sort of like he's meant to be a secular ruler who defends the buddhist faith with military force oh, okay that's what the you mean. wheel of dharma that's spinning that's what you mean okay so he's
0: not a religious leader he's a secular leader that y-
1: that protects the religious faith gotcha right the the classic example that emperor Wen based himself on was um ashoka of the Mauryan <laughs> dynasty yeah, the yeah. Emperor Ashoka he was the, the classic like you know big bad buddhist emperor who was yeah. awesome so emperor Wen had distributed relics of the buddha which were probably fake as usual with religious relics the temples across china and he very much supported buddhism as the the main sort of religion um but also not exclusively because this is a time period Sui and tang dynasty was very the, 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 tang dynasty got more cosmopolitan with it because it allowed a lot of um you know, Christians to come in and I think the Kaifeng Jews came in around that time and um, Manichaeans and Zoroastrians and all sorts of people were running around. It was um, it was very cosmopolitan in the time period, but Buddhism was top dog at the time.
0: Was this guy trying to use like Buddhism as a sort of point of political unification
1: or is it... Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. basically, yeah. It's it's political legitimacy through religion. Yeah. Um, and this is a time after... Well, this is when most of the important... Work in translating Buddhist sutras uh, from Sanskrit and partly into Chinese was already done. Mm-hmm. Um, it already been done in the previous dynasties and like uh, crazy periods. That would be interesting to go back one day. I'm not going to, but it's a in in any situations when there's like a great sort of cultural importation of knowledge. I feel especially cultural and religious knowledge. You get a lot of like occult knowledge and weird ritual yes. stuff, like clinging to the bottom. Absolutely. Pretty much any religion has some sort of mystic tradition to it. Um,
0: and whenever you have people that are really interested in studying a religion, they're pretty inevitably going to, uh, end up looking into the esoteric side of said
1: religion. Sure. And sometimes that leads to magic. Um, not always. Sometimes it just leads to a lot of very deep conversations. You ever think that the Buddha was a woman, man? Oh, oh, oh. um... Go on. (laughs) (laughs) That's just... Uh, okay i will we'll go into that later <laughs> all um, right that heresy um oh okay like, i don't know if that heresy exists or uh, okay. That's disappointing. well my example with this sort of thing is always i bring up the um the dutch studies in pre yeah, japan yeah. um that's the classic example that i use um but this same sort of thing like people bring in a whole bunch of like texts like ancient texts from india and translating them you know some of those some of those texts were like kosher buddhist texts yeah. they were some weirdness um that got like traded in secret
0: how to meditate for 20 years and not have to eat or urinate at all i
1: think that's mainstream buddhism oh uh, yeah. okay. depends on your... <laughs> maybe that's
0: like that's the thing i don't know what the weird shit is as far as the confines of buddhism versus the mainstream stuff
1: yeah that's the thing it's um it's lots of variation and Buddhism uh, like I-, I admittedly tend to think
0: anything involving piss is usually the fringe side of a religion yeah
1: <laughs> generally speaking that's that's correct <laughs> um because Buddhism was the mainstream sort of idea, religio social political ideology it was fairly mainstream I think like probably the occult mainstream was mostly Buddhist based and I'd say about this time period most of the rituals any kind of like working rituals yeah. that they developed from Translated sutras probably hadn't stopped working already, based on the the usual life cycle of these things. What is interesting a little bit, or shall touch on briefly, is that this is a time period when the first indigenous Chinese schools of Buddhism were starting to emerge, gotcha. which would eventually, like Chinese schools of Buddhism, would be like um, like Chan Buddhism, which became Zen Buddhism in Japan, was a major one. But what I'm talk what I'm touching on here is what's called uh, Tiantai uh, school, the Tiantai school of Buddhism. Or the Lotus School, sometimes called. Mm-hmm. It's way too much fucking theology to get into, so I'm not, uh, because <laughs> right. it was, like, it was the mainstream. Um, but I would like to touch on the the guy that the main guy behind this during the Sui Dynasty was a guy called Ji and he sort of like laid down. He was an early figure of uh, the movement, and two sort of like ideas I do want to touch upon because they seemed uh, relevant to. I Anonami's mean, cosmology a little bit mm-hmm. somewhat or at least you can like you can do un- you can do unto them what we did unto Gnosticism um, and sort of like sh- <laughs> shove the the, 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 the round of peg course. into the square hole the Tiantai school's main philosophical 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 principle is known as the threefold truth and the threefold truth is emptiness existence and the middle so this comes out as these three um, basic statements about the universe one all phenomena is empty yeah. of any independent self nature or essence so there's like an ultimate emptiness yeah. within everything two phenomena exist in a provisional manner in terms of that they can be said to conventionally arise through causes and conditions mm-hmm. um, so this corresponds to like conventional mundane truth about the universe mm-hmm. and then there's the middle truth which is what uh, G came up with because this is something that wasn't from indian buddhism um the middle truth was that phenomena are both empty of existence and exist provisionally at the same time um and it's that like sort of duality that is a very important part of the Tentai school which i thought is interesting the fact that it's three 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 is always well three is interesting to me sure is this sort of to kind of talk about
0: what something some to put this in terms of shit that people with my level of knowledge Would know I jack shit. Is this sort of
1: where the yin yang and all that such
0: stuff comes from? No, no. All right. Yin yang
1: actually, yin yang is interesting because well, it's yin yang is duality. Well, this is meant to be a sort of non duality. Uh, Yin yang was a school an ancient school which was actually ancient of in the same time period as um, when Confucianism was being formed and early Taoism there was the, called the um, the school of naturalists who mm-hmm. were very into uh, the yin and the yang that sort of dualist idea and also like the, the five elements okay. Um, okay. sort of like a alchemical sort of thing and that that school, the uh, the yin yang idea, those uh, the naturalist school got folded into Taoism and absorbed by Taoism. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's associated with Taoism. But it does Daoism, sound kind of like Daoism.
0: during this period, the Chinese Buddhism that's coming about is influenced by Taoism to a certain degree.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There was definitely a uh, the three major Chinese religions of Buddhism, Taoism, and Confucianism, and like. Uh, whether that the last one's a religion or a philosophy is up to debate they all influenced each other a lot over the time period and there was lots of uh, back and forth and it was deliberate um, to a large extent Um, although there was various like um, attempts at times to like remove the corrupting elements from one or the other but you know how it is. It's yeah, it, yeah. It mixes up. The other big thing that, like, the other idea that G had that I thought was really cool was the principle of three thousand realms in a single thought, or a single mm-hmm. moment of life. I'll just read out the the quote from the volume five of Great Concentration of Insight. Uh, Gigi's hot, hot um, book of hot takes. Book. Well, book of hot takes definitely. Uh, life at each moment is endowed with with the ten worlds. At the same time, each of the 10 worlds is endowed with all 10 worlds, so that an entity of life actually possesses 100 worlds. Each of these worlds in turn possesses 30 realms, which means that in the 100 worlds there are 3000 realms. The 3000 realms of existence are all possessed by life in a single moment. If there is no life, that is the end of the matter. But if there is the slightest bit of life, it contains all the 3000 realms. This is what we mean when we speak of the region of the unfathomable. Which is interesting. Mm. So this is basically the idea that every, like, potential, like, world or uh, realm of existence um, exists within the self or within life itself. Uh, Which is very similar to me. To me, it sounds... I mean, you could, like, reinterpret this in an fashion to be, like, the invisible clergy exists in all its forms and all its glories within each human being, which is true. Yeah. in To an -an 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 extent. Like, we're all, like... They draw, idea, our like, pow-
0: they draw their power from the rest of us, in a sense,
1: or at least initially, how
0: fundamentally they're up there because of everyone else. Right. And that's why they stay up
1: there, or when they do fall, why they end up falling. Definitely. Okay, so that's all I'm to talk about the Tentai Okay, yeah. Story. How does
0: this tie into uh, the Brotherhood?
1: Now, the Brotherhood, it formed in this time period. Now... The Brotherhood and the magic, I feel that the occult underground and what existed in terms of like real actual magic in this time period was probably closer to Taoism. I brought up G because I think there's going to be some influence from that particular school of Buddhism, um, or that's something that could be used. But I think that the Taoism of the period was going to be the bigger influence. Um, And I say this because the important thing about the description in the book about the Brotherhood of Harmony's Repose is that the people... It says the people who were smart enough to pass the Sui Dynasty bureaucratic exams were also smart enough to learn magic. Now, how is that? The Sui Dynasty was the first dynasty that did have the proper examinations, Mm -hmm. uh, imperial examinations. So there had been earlier attempts to do that. Um, In the previous Han Dynasty, they had some attempts, but it didn't really properly get off the ground. And this was a huge um, shift in Chinese political history because it was a, a long-term attempt to break down s- the systems of noble power in China. Because previously, in terms of like who's recommended for the imperial court, it, they used various systems of referral where, you know, someone writes you a letter of recommendation and you get sent to the emperor and... Um, in a very simplified, this is way oversimplified version of how it went down, but it was an issue because, of course, it meant that the rich and powerful fucking dominated that shit easily, and there were various attempts by the the center, by the imperial center, to break down that power dynamic. Um, and th- you, they did that through, essentially, um, through the imperial examination system by rem- like separating power. From the mobility by saying, "Okay, you have to be able to pass these fucking exams, then we're going to open them up for anyone to do." And this is going to be the the route to power. Okay, so the it's a to way to,
0: to supposedly.
1: I, I'm skeptical of any of
0: these such any claims like this, but it sounds like an attempt to build a bureaucratic um, meritocratic middle class. The middle class, I would say no. I mean middle class in the a sense that's used like now, where it's like you know, kind of associate business owners. And so I mean, literally, middle class. If like you have an upper noble class and you have a lower sure.
1: peasant yeah. farmer class. Yeah, th- I can see. You can see, I can see that way. Well. I'm using middle it's class been, as broadly as possible here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. It was an attempt to yeah create a class of people that were separated from the the noble families to break the power of nobility, and it did eventually work in terms of the fact that in later dynasties the noble families weren't so much of a thing. Um, because if you read like old, like real ancient Chinese history, they're always going to bring up like fucking this duke did that, this yeah. count did that, and you don't see that so much in like medieval and later Chinese histories because those fucking dukes' shit didn't matter as much because of this change. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Qing he brought this in. Now there were a number of different um, curriculums of study, and this is where it gets important. There was first there was uh, history, of course, literature. Uh, there was Ru, which is um, Confucian learning. Okay. Because uh, that was still influential. But there was also a very interesting um, curriculum or area called um, Xuanzue. Now, Xuanzue is sometimes called Neo Taoism, but it's not a bad, very good word. Uh, and it's a hard expression to translate. Um, it's been translated as like mystical learning, or abstract learning, profound learning, or my favorite, dark learning. Uh, (laughs) 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 sorry i
0: could just imagine some fucking that's what the fucking dark enlightenment lecture website is called dark learning
1: really that's that's really funny no it's not actually called that
0: but i'm saying that's that sounds like what they would call it that's true Dark Um, university
1: now it doesn't necessarily mean like there'll be people who say it doesn't mean like arcane or it sounds esoteric uh, i guess esoteric learning might be a good way of putting it definitely esoteric learning yes um and there's been various like um descriptions of it and it's sort of like as being sort of very metaphysical um combining trying to combine confucianism and taoism to reinterpret like the i Ching and the Tao Te Ching um to try to to come up with like an idealistic sort of um world tendency like a like a, a universalist tendency for thought um, But the problem is it also was used as an expression to describe things like astrology and geomancy and other things like that. Okay,
0: so would this maybe have parallels with how European and Middle Eastern universities tended to uh, have sections with a strong focus on theology? I would say so. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: definitely. Um,
0: Alongside law and...
1: Um, uh, medicine usually were the other two yes yes i would say that's probably uh pretty ac- pretty accurate mm-hmm. now for me looking at it like reading through the li- across the lines like it'll be very much like it's not it's not this isn't arcane magic or anything like that i would insist it's it's not that which means that of course it was that it was definitely it was basically the occultism department i'm sorry it was the yeah this sounds department. like <laughs> if the
0: sat straight up had like a fucking alchemy or fucking occultism
1: part of the test Exactly, and this is why I think that, and the description given of the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose says like this: "Man, enough to pass the exams. How they learn magic? They fucking studied it for the. Yeah, exams. it's
0: part of qualifying for their role, even outside of this cult. Right.
1: Now, one there's one interesting thing about like during this time period from the Han Dynasty onwards into the Sui Dynasty, uh, Xianxia was one part of Xianxia was this thing called Pure Conversation, which was a a thing which developed out of um, a previous thing called pure criticism uh, during the Han Dynasty, where it was it was basically the the intellectual upper class talking shit about the government and complaining about things. Sure. Um, but that didn't go well, um, and it tended to lead to like bad things or people just getting corrupted by the political situation. And over time, like especially during the Sui Dynasty, what was pure conversation developed into a sort of like disattached from the political world, sort of let's sit around drinking, drinking wine and tea, and just talk about metaphysics, um, and talk about how things are like totally not real, man. And it was coffee house of shit. What cool kids were doing. Coffee house or shit. Very much coffee house. Yes, exactly. So this is kind intellectuals of intellectuals is
0: the same no matter what part of history you're dealing
1: with. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. So, I think that there was some real magic, some real, like, um, power here. But there was also a hell of a lot of bullshit.
0: So, here's my question. I hear a lot about the influence of sort of esoteric thought over the Chinese nobility. You know, shit like emperors trying to achieve immortality by drinking mercury through their urethras. That sort of shit, right? Um, Yeah. And as a result, you know, you had uh, mystics having a, you know, depending on the period and the specific uh, emperor having a fair amount of influence over the court. Did you also Sorry. see that in um, sort of the bureaucracy were there yeah. a lot of mystics leveraging influence period, I there more than later. <laughs> I mean the one thing is because you know usually the bureaucracies is there's sort of this uh, gloss of uh rationalism to it, right? Which oh, yeah. tends to not yeah. get on very
1: well with mysticism and occultism. That was the that was what happened in the later years. Uh-huh uh later centuries um i think there was a bit of well the thing is when you talk about like the imperial court having weirdos involved i mean yeah. that's true of asian history just as much as it's true of european and yeah history, okay so I'm that's, right. probably, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what yeah I it's going on but
0: like it, it, I, I, part of the question is like how blatant was this uh uh involvement and influence because it seems fairly blatant in the case of the court Usually when you're dealing with these sorts in European history, you have these guys being into the occult, but very much in private.
1: it's, It's sort of, the way it is, like when you're looking at it from a western lens, is especially when you're talking about like Taoism um, yeah. and Buddhism and like Chinese thought, is it is it all looks like occultism to us? It all Fair. looks like weird Fair. knowledge to us. But from their point of view, there would have been like, well, this stuff is the mainstream. Well, and yeah.
0: And the important the thing witcher. to me is less like, okay, well, what's the actual theology involved with the beliefs, and more, what, how weird are the people involved here? I'm, I'm more interested in the
1: character. Of oh, I'm, the I'm get guys in this, rather than like, okay, what are their specific beliefs? Well, this is something I'm going to get into because. So first, I've, got, I've set the scene of like a bunch of people engaging in pure conversation. So talking. I mean, to, to clarify politics. To
0: clarify, too, I don't mean character in some sort of broad, painting people the broad brush sense. I mean, like, okay, what characters? What interesting people are involved with these, these groups.
1: Well, to get into this, I want to sort of touch on the two main schools of Taoism uh, that were popular during the Sui Dynasty. Yeah. There, the first, okay, during the first half of the dynasty, what was the most influential in the court was the the Loguan School of the Northern Celestial Masters. Now, okay, that's a good name. <laughs> that's a pretty, hell of a name. This is a, um, this is quite the rabbit hole, but I'll try to cover it uh, briefly. Um, The Celestial Master movement came from Sichuan in uh, southwest China um, in the 3rd century AD um, when the first Celestial Master Zhang Daoling, he founded what became basically a theocratic state in the Hanzhong Valley. Um, They believed that Uh, the energy qi pervaded everything and in order to achieve immortality the correct balance of qi had to be present within the body Um, Mm -hmm. having poor quality of qi in the body results in illness and death and they also believed that everyone had uh, an imbalance of qi it was like how in Christianity everyone is born with sin Um, and in order to correctly balance uh, qi you have to do a whole bunch of things uh, regulating your sexuality being a major one um and avoiding sin, um, which is a concept different from the Christian or like a Abrahamic concept of sin yeah. but it's still very uh, related because it seems that sin was what kept Chi from not being balanced and that's why you died. Um, so in order to um, not die, you had to act right and repent, um, This the little theocratic state was funny because they didn't really punish people. Who they do just you like repent forced them to. to you repented, too. Yeah. What um, what does the to, repenting to,
0: process to, here? Because you, you know, uh, in uh, Christianity, so you just repent. go
1: to God's uh, chosen ambassador and say you're sorry. The repentance could be accomplished by spending time in a chamber of silence and reflecting on one's sins, or by beating one's breast and kowtowing to heaven.
0: Okay, so. You either um, self-harm or go in the ancient Chinese uh, sensory deprivation tank.
1: Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Sure. So these guys, they were operating in Sichuan. Um, They ripped off a lot of ideas for Buddhism, uh, which is a common uh, theme. They eventually got messed up by uh, the famous Chinese... Uh, warlord Tal who invaded and just like scattered them across the country because he was not very impressed (laughs) he was well, he wanted to take them over oh the other name for this group I've got to mention was the way of the five pecks of rice which is also a funny name because that's how much you needed to donate to become a member (laughs) 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 nice Hey,
0: that, that's very convenient for any sort of exclusive club. You have the membership requirements right there in the name. That's
1: right. It was it was a weird theocracy got scattered across. It built up again um, in the northern dynasty, pre sway dynasty of Wei. It became very powerful in that particular court. Um, because they converted um, the prime minister at the time a guy named Cui Hao. and this is a very thought like story this is like a century before what we 're talking about okay. um, but he he was um, he got way into it for the astrology and the alchemy and the, and the promises of um, immortality and all that until he fucked up by um, allegedly uh, this is this is a mixed story this is, it might be apocryphal. But he did a stone sculpture, uh, or organized the cause the, uh, the sculpting of a like a fresco type thing, um, a, a an unflattering fresco of the ruling dynasty's ancestors, and for that he was arrested and pissed on by soldiers and then killed. Oh, that's
0: such like a nobility fucking f- way to get killed. You commission unflattering right, yeah. art. <laughs>
1: Yep. i mean to be fair work, that happens on Twitter yeah. now
0: so if anything it's ju- if anything all that's changed since then is just uh, the ability to commission art has become more democratized
1: well he definitely got cancelled
0: okay. Um. <laughs> um got cancelled by uh, many so by many feet by many sets of feet
1: yes and so by the 470s the celestial masters were fled from the northern way court which is what that happened at, yeah. and they transformed the city of Loguan into a religious center um now this this was called the loguan school of the northern celestial masters they were big into fighting and getting into big fights with the buddhists it was <laughs> it was constantly fighting between the towers of the buddhists do you period. mean
0: bickering or street
1: violence yes Alright. You know, it was it was it was it was a rough time. And so they were into Laozi and they were into like their their little cult yeah. and their like celestial masters. Unlike uh, prior incarnations of the celestial masters because the prior incarnations of the celestial masters believed that you could um achieve immortality through certain controlled sexual practices um but the northern celestial masters were more like the nofap movement has a long and storied history yes they were very much about nofap they were all about purging they didn't believe in sex or taxes uh, (laughs) (laughs) um
0: okay by that point you're totally divorced from reality
1: the two of the most
0: certain things in the world
1: they were interesting. They had these big banquets where they had to fast for seven days before them, and then have a big vegetarian wine meal, uh, vegetarian food and wine meal. Uh, but they were kind of interesting. But these were the guys that were. They were very sexually repressed and they were the first um taoist movement to practice monasticism which they ripped off from buddhism which is you know yeah monasticism was ripped off repeatedly by multiple religious movements yeah. over time now that became less popular than another school which is even more fun uh called the, the shangqing school it was founded by an aristocrat of the jin dynasty named uh, lady Wei Huazun. Uh, but it didn't really get off the ground until her disciple and it's already cool that having like an aristocrat lady being the founder of a religious movement is already interesting Um, but what got it off the ground was her disciple a dude named Yang Shi had a series of uh, revelations um, where he encountered the immortals and they told him all this stuff that he had to write down Mm -hmm. um, about the, the good way to live a life And it is well known and well documented that these revelations were aided almost certainly by cannabis. Nice. Uh, Which was very popular. Well, very popular in terms of... um, Oh, so this is how Taco Bell ties back into it. There you go. There we go. We've got back to Taco Bell. They would put uh, hemp and um, uh, seeds uh, into the incense burners. Uh, There was lots of beliefs about um, how cannabis is used in... um, religious ceremonies and such, uh, and he definitely, he definitely smoked a bunch of weed. I mean, yeah, uh, it like turns out, I guess, that weed
0: thoughts are also a long and story tradition that has apparently been the foundation of several religious movements.
1: There you go, there you go. There is a great quote um, from a Taoist uh, pharmacologist named Tao Hong Jing uh, from this time period, or just before this time period, Who writes, hemp seeds are very little used in medicine, but the magician technicians say that if one consumes them with ginseng, it will give one. That's (laughs) such a great
0: title. Magician technician. Go on. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to dwell on that. So good.
1: I also like that title. It is a, yeah, it's great. The magician technicians say if one consumes them with ginseng, it will give one pretty natural knowledge of events in the future. So, yeah, they were getting high off. That we getting high. Well, it lowers the
0: possibility space, too. You get high and you're like, I see myself in this exact position right. in six hours.
1: That's right. There's also a, um, a Taoist medical work called the Wu Zhang Jing. Jing, which means the five viscera classic. A viscera? Um, which says if, viscera yes okay huh. uh well the five viscera are very important and um th- that goes back to the sort of tool of naturalists the sort of okay big, like, big, big um, element the, element the
0: important foundational organs which i assume are like brain stomach gallbladder gal things yeah
1: uh, not brain i do oh really yeah, um, okay. anyway uh, um, yeah it doesn't matter it's not, it's not a vis it's not viscera oh i thought it you said, said viscera t- i
0: thought you said viscera is the brain a viscera I-, I thought it was just a term for organ
1: i think viscera is like is it it's it might be like organ. internal gut. organs yeah that's what i thought yeah if you wish to command demonic apparitions to present themselves you should constantly eat the inflorescences of the hemp plant all right so solid knowledge solid knowledge so we have and these this was the second this was very popular during the later half of the that's why did was supported by the court um oh what i think that you would enjoy very much um and this is i, I this is a joke which is silly but it's based on what Yangshi's book's name was. Uh, Yangshi being the, uh, the guy who smoked weed and met the immortals. Sure. Um, and composed a great a text, which is called, is translated as the true text of the great dong. Now, the true text of the great dong, in this sense, the word dong means cavern or cave. Ah, so it, uh, <laughs> <the Catholician. laughs> it's tricky, huh? Uh-huh. You thought it was the Apollonian, but it was the Cathodian all along, yep. which is which is pretty great. So I believe. I mean, that it's funny; Harmony- it's still funny too, which is the best part. <laughs> that's the most important <laughs> thing. So I think that these guys, the 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 precursors, of the, Harmon- the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose, who were not called that at all, um, were a bunch of dudes sitting around talking shit, um, who were studying at the what was the Gwotersian. Um, the Guozijian is the like it's translated as the Imperial Academy yeah. or Imperial College. It's it's the central institution of higher learning, um, which is now well it's 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 gone now, but it's been replaced by um, basically the the current equivalent of the Guozijian is, P, is Peking University yeah. in Beijing. But at the time period, it was um, not in Beijing for because Beijing was not the capital; it was the frontier town. So you, you don't mean geographically it's equivalent, like culturally it's equivalent, right? Yeah. Well, the gen moved depending on what dynasty and where the, where the capital was. So it moved from Chang'an to Luoyang to Kaifeng to Hangzhou to Nanjing, then to Beijing. <laughs> it was a it's been all over the place. Okay, I get you. So
0: it sounds like kind of the foundation for these guys were just a bunch of nerds who studied up on the occult for their SAT and realizing, like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. Let's stay interested in this after we enter the Imperial bureaucracy and then just kind of congregate with each other through shared interest.
1: Yep, that's how I Now
0: where does the policing of the occult and the mystical and the magical come into this?
1: I don't think it comes into a lot later. Okay. Um my my issue is my problem with the sleeper story is they sort of do this bait and switch where, like, oh, you thought it was an ancient like Western like occult tradition, actually, it's just something new. The, but they, they were just brainwashing that. To that. Like, yeah,
0: it's an actual ancient
1: yeah. and occult mystical tradition. But in China, where it makes more sense, and I am like, no, because these dudes still powerful with the Sui Dynasty. Like, there a lot of shit happened. <laughs> between the end of the Sui Dynasty and the fucking... The thing that
0: I was most skeptical about in reading through that book is how it talks about them getting totally wrecked by the Japanese invasion of Nanking. You know, they're portrayed as these puppet masters that go back thousands of years and then... Japanese military aggression is what does the men, when it's like, okay, that's yeah. been widely telegraphed. Sure, it gives some excuse, like, oh, they've become uh, arrogant and cloistered. It's like, no, okay, there, there was thousands of years for these guys to become arrogant and cloistered. Either this shit's happened before, or something else went down there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because also in that earlier the story, they talk about how, like, they're completely blindsided by the, the round-eyed barbarians coming. It's like, Since the Slay Dynasty, a bunch of different barbarians have come and saw and conquered. Yeah, like these guys are apparently. These guys
0: are apparently such master conspirators that they formulate the entire fucking Boxer Rebellion, but then get fucked over by an extremely nationalist and militaristic empire just happening to come in.
1: I I feel that a lot of that later history is either fabricated or it's twisted a bit. I
0: I think what. It sounds like what they're trying to get at is like, okay, these guys aren't kind of have a blind spot when it comes to things outside of China, I guess.
1: Well, they fucking shouldn't because yeah. there were plenty of times when people came from outside of China, like the Mongols and the Jurchens, and they, they changed the game. Yeah. Under the Yuan dynasty, the Mongol dynasty, they didn't even have like imperial examinations for 80 years. So, what the hell was the Brotherhood doing then? Like they weren't in charge because they were—they didn't let the—they were the Mongols were in charge, and they even when they started bringing in imperial examinations again, they had a separate examination. I, I
0: was going to suggest they were probably jerking themselves
1: off, but actually, it sounds like that's probably not the case. Probably. But, well, it depends. Because yeah. I was reading the history of like the imperial examinations, because I think that it has to tie in with like that system—the system of. That, that seems. That,
0: that seems uh,
1: pretty plausible, yeah. But the issue is that. After the Tang, after the Tang Dynasty, uh, later on we get the Song Dynasty, and a bunch of dynasties came after that. And Neo Confucianism took over. And Neo Confucianism was basically an attempt to uh, revive Confucianism and um, make it more like make it uh, Im- revive and empower Confucianism by stealing a bunch of metaphysics from Taoism and Buddhism and putting it into. Like um basically, to give the idea of like Confucianism is basically a philosophic a philosophy about social order and the importance of ritual and social harmony, and they add, they 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 bolted on a bunch of like weird, unnecessary metaphysics, and then they forced people to learn it for a thousand years, basically like in later dynasties, the way the examinations went down, especially during the Ming, is they would have to write essays based on the classics. But there were only so many classics, so there were only so many pos- potential essays that you could write. So they would mix up these questions like, what does this mean? And this passage mean, and this Oh, this problem sounds familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. And it was a whole lot of away- and they, there was a way. Did they have to- uh, essay checking software back then, too?
0: Or did they, did they just have, like, three guys in the fucking closet somewhere that that's their job? Make sure people aren't copying each other's essays. Maybe that's how the Brotherhood survived. <laughs> <laughs> they were the- <laughs> Making sure that the like thousand fucking copy of whatever the Hong Dynasty is
1: equivalent to the Great Gatsby wasn't uh, wasn't copied from some other guy. That's right. Yeah, no, they had crazy systems. They had um they had things where like every paper would be rewritten so that the markers wouldn't recognize the handwriting of the guy. Oh right. The nice. And like it's kinda of complicated because like there were different policies, different eras in different and That ways, sounds great for archaeologists though. Oh, it's it's a huge field of study. Yeah. Like, I was reading through a book that was just like, it was just an annotated bibliography of books about the imperial examination system. And it was a lot of detail. But I think that the Xianxue, which was the source of like when there weren't actually some classes, they probably weren't the main classes. Most of those Xianxue classes were probably just metaphysics. But there was some in the Sui dynasty and probably during the Tang as well. There were some classes that you could go to taught by some crusty guy some Snape who would teach you real magic. And that was the basis of the Brotherhood. But I think at the time period, I don't think that they were running things so much as they were just, what's another word for brotherhood? Uh, Family? Fraternity. Fraternity. Okay, sure. I think they were a frat. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: they're, they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of university bros who get into magic. So they're
1: like the skull and bones of their time. I think so. That's what I'm thinking. At least like, that's, that's how they started,
0: maybe, at the very least.
1: Yeah. I don't think in the successive generations, I don't think it's survived in the same form. I think due to the changes in the curriculum, becoming much more um, Neo-Confucian-focused, and the the fact that there were repeated nomadic invasions and like new dynasties and changes, and an emperor, one of the Ming emperors, like... Decided that it, it wanted everyone to take archery classes because <laughs> right. there weren't enough archers. Like it was like a whole bunch of stuff happened over the um, one and a half millennia since this time period. That I think that what was around, what called itself the Brotherhood, I don't think it even was the same group. I think that like, okay. it was a completely different group, and I think that the name Brotherhood of, of um, Harmonious Repose. Was applied to an existing like I think back in the day, back in the Sui Dynasty, there was a powerful group of you know there was a, there was a, a Skull of Bones, it was a, a cult frat. Yeah. But I think that they probably got wiped out, but the idea of them stayed around and popped up in different forms across Chinese history. Whoever was in charge during the 19th century was clearly just just eating glue. I don't know what. Was <laughs> like. So okay, they're they're
0: like this. There are actually a bunch of different groups that have little to no actual institutional continuity between them, but they sort of continually take on the same name because of
1: the um, historical weight attributed to it. But it absolutely wasn't. It wasn't the same group. The Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose. It wasn't called that. And I'll get into that. Okay, later, so there's um, a telephone game later. going on because what this sounds like the,
0: the thing comparison that immediately comes to mind for this is like the clan, right? All <laughs> oh, the Klux clan. I mean, very different goals and ideologies, of course, but in terms of that, several different organizations that pop up with the same name over time because of the reputation associated with that name. Yeah. But then on top of this, so like the clam pops up several times over a few, like a couple centuries, this is popping up several times uh, over the course of over a thousand years while this language is still. Still, very much developing because literacy isn't widespread yet.
1: But it was widespread in the, uh, oh, okay. the literati, and especially because in uh, over the Chinese dynasties, one um, the advantages of uh, Chinese characters is because everyone studied Chinese classical Chinese every every dynasty. So, um, and by going like they would study the the ancient classics and be able to read them, even though the language the vernacular changed.
0: Okay, so the how much has the
1: Chinese language changed then compared to some like English. It has changed a lot but sure. people, the, the point yeah. is it's it's hugely changed yeah. but the point was that people continue to be educated in classical chinese which okay. wasn't like what they read and how they like sounded it's the like knowing latin I guess, right it's similar yeah it's yeah, a similar okay. sort of concept
0: but even that shifts because it's liturgical latin which is different from the latin was actually
1: spoke back there and there's probably some more dynamic going on there too right right so i think that that like whatever the the brotherhood i'll call it the brotherhood like the original brotherhood i i think that they probably got wiped out probably during fucking like, Tang dynasty yeah. madness with the uyghurs and Wu Zetian and all this madness um I have no idea what you're I talking
0: about but I'll take your word that it was some crazy shit and lady we emperor don't need to go with into the secret
1: it. police and like weird and uh, lots of things anyway I think that they wrote shut down I think that they like there were texts that were found and there was the thought like I think that the brotherhood probably like even if they were just killed to a man like eventually someone would find some book of poetry from 200 years ago with some secrets in it and like rebuild something that they called the brotherhood or something similar um and there was that continuity there's was, probably like, some like continuity. transgressive
0: appeal there because you know we're still yeah. talking about adepts and occultists and kind of those sort of equivalents right i mean adept yeah what we now call adept magic was very much a its the infancy then but did exist to a certain degree same thing with avatars and you know just Judging by the kind of people that usually get involved with the occult underground in the present day. And the sort of art those guys make. Like, like imagine uh, a group 300 years down the line restarts The Sleepers based entirely off of what's, ne- what's in My Name is Dirk Allen. Aha! Oh! Oh! Similar shit. Um. Similar shit. And so, and all of this is based off of partly the transgressive appeal of reading Dirk Allen, even... 200 years from now, but all your doctrine is filtered through the ideas of someone like Dirk Allen, but in this case was in the, uh, Sui Dynasty imperial (laughs) bureaucracy. So,
1: exactly, yeah. Like, probably not in charge of anything important.
0: Yeah. maybe even been a dipsomancer, because dipsomancy goes back uh, a long ways. Especially if we're in a frat, alcohol, in an occult frat, alcoholmatic is definitely going to be a thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Probably something about, like, it was probably a variant school, because there's probably lots of, there's yeah. been lots of alcohol-based schools. Maybe something based on pure conversation, where, like, the thing is, like, you charged up by, like, being able to drink and also talk shit at the same time. Oh, yeah, like, that's eloquently. good. That's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but you were saying.
1: Let's get up to the uh the, the the more modern age where we start to get the stories of how the sleepers formed. Okay, that's a hell of a jump. So I'll, I'll explain why there's been the jump. Because okay, we'll, we'll cover a bit of what it's described about the Brotherhood. It says in the late like the late Qing Dynasty, the nineteenth the century, they caused the Boxer Rebellion. Don't know how. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> a crock of shit to me, to be honest. I think it is a crock of shit. I think the Boxer Rebellion. Happened? To, I think the boxers did the boxer rebellion. Yeah, their own. I'm beard, sure so they were to a, a certain cultures. degree
0: because, like, the boxers are kind of esoteric, right?
1: Yeah, but they were also full of shit, and yeah. they also got shot down because yeah. their magic did not work.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an important thing. Is that the boxers were trying to do magic shit? That magic was not working, so they're started by some sort of centuries-old occult group. Then that centuries-old occult group is doing a bang-up job of uh, helping
1: these guys out. <laughs> Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What exactly was the point And what did they do? I. Uh, yeah. I think the. It, it sounds related. more
0: like the whoever was the Brotherhood at the time was piggybacking off the Boxers because they had similar ideas and maybe overlap
1: in, in beliefs. Which reflects what the policy of the Qing Dynasty was, which was like I, we don't know who the Boxers are. All oh, the Boxers are winning. We're supporting the Boxers. All oh, the Boxers are losing. Oh, we never knew them. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now we have to talk about. Hubert Lee, uh, okay. or Chan Lee as his Chinese name. Now I don't know what the what Shirley, like what Shirley it is. Um, Shirley can translate as different things. Like the common names are like um, uh, Snowflake or Snowpear, okay. which are both great names. Um, maybe because he was uh, half British and his mother was like, "Oh, he's so white, I'll call him Snowflake." <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> it amuses me to um, to call him Snowflake. Uh, as well, but he could have been named after a Tang Dynasty general named Xue Rengui, mm-hmm. who was also called Xue Li, um, who, would, who was known for leading successful campaigns against the like the. Central Asian Turks and also the the Gorguryo who I mentioned before the Korean Kingdom he appears as a door god on temples on Dallas uh-huh. temples and also he was said to have had a voracious appetite and to be possessed by the hungry god whatever the fuck that means um, that's a fun title this is the only reason I included him in this speech because <laughs> <laughs> so nah, that's that is totally great... worth it, totally worth it This is probably, if you, go into, if you go into Chinese history, or any history really You'll find little things that have nothing to do with anything But you have to include them, because what the fuck
0: I am a big way, I, I am a big fan of how I always see Like, titles of Chinese stuff translated There's such a gravitas oh, yeah. to it I'm not sure if oh, that's yeah. present in the original language Maybe it's kind of done that intentionally to play up the exoticism or whatever but I still really like it. Sure,
1: it's it isn't as isn't you know it's sort of like how um when you translate like even like uh, Chinese restaurants will have like flowery names for yeah, things which yeah. get translated English and they come out to like it's just because those names those flowery names don't seem as flowery because they're just references yes. to things that everyone. Oh, knows. okay,
0: so they're just broad cultural references. Um, like, yeah. I we- mean, Star Wars. If you don't know what Star Wars is, that sounds pretty fucking epic, right? Like a right, war in right, the star. Yeah. Okay, but this
1: is just. Oh, okay. It's yeah. That's a great example because that's, that's exactly the dynamic that's going on. Okay. Um, it's like it's like if in three hundred, three thousand years, when they're translating the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like, whoa! This is so epic. Um, and naming their fucking restaurant meals after the...
0: Ah, uh, yes, my favorite restaurant, Thor 2 of the Dark World. That sounds like it could be a restaurant <laughs> in 3,000 years.
1: Um, now, Tubit Lee was the son of a British officer, Glenn Wed- Widows, and his mother was a Chinese housekeeper, Mali Chan. He grew up looking enough like his father... Uh, that he could pass for white, which was very useful, the time period for... And I I suspect that he was actually uh, schooled in England. I think that he had, like, a a cross-cultural education, uh, probably because his father was embarrassed, but probably supported him secretly uh, with his fucking opium money. He got involved with a group calling itself, or he says they called themselves the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose who were meant to be this like this conspiracy of mandarins that had existed since the Soy dynasty. So,
0: to clarify, before you get too deep into this, I apologize for interrupting you, but, um, to... Um, what is the significance of this guy in the
1: original, uh, writings? He was the one that created the Sleepers. Okay.
0: Okay. He was part... He was the head of the group called the Harmonia... The, uh, the Head of harmonies Repose, suppose, who, when... Uh, the founder of Cleomancy, whose name has escaped me at the moment...
1: Dugan Forsythe? Yeah,
0: Dugan Forsythe, uh, comes in to China seeking out Cleomantic sites, uh, gets, uh, the shit kicked out of them by a local cabal and gets their, um, gets implanted with false memories saying that you were always part of this weird, um, underground, uh, uh, suppression organization.
1: Yes, yes. Overall, like, they... will talk about how, um, like, Dugan's group got the shit kicked out of them by the Brotherhood, but it also mentions the Brotherhood lost a lot of yeah. men and power by fighting Dugan's group. Dugan's group is a group of fucking... Cleomancers. Like, they're basically hippies. Yeah. Like, they're not all Cleomancers. They're, most of them are just hangers-on. But... They were able to wander all over China and the Middle East as well in the 19-fucking-30s. Like, 1930s China was not a place that you could just wander around unless you had some massive power yeah. behind you. Yeah. That's, that's a Warlord era, right? Exactly. So they, it's like Dugan's group is sort of like portrayed a bit as like foolish and silly, but they must have been a fucking force if they're able to wander around China during the 1930s, like stealing. And also, he, the whole point he was there was to take Cleomantic major charges. So he was, it was insane. Uh, so-
0: see, now I'm just imagining as like, okay, campaign set up. You're part of Dugan um, Yes. group of hangers on. You've just walked into the camp of Zhang Zongcheng. Did you want to see again? That's like oh, the one the, who like fired the cannons the the into dick? the sky to bring oh, rain and shit. Yep, yep,
1: yep. Yeah. That, that guy, yeah.
0: Famously dubbed by Time Magazine as China's basest warlord.
1: <laughs> basest <laughs> warlord, that's right. No, I've seen this YouTube video. <laughs> he's, he's, he's great. Now, allegedly, Cupid Lee was sent by the Brotherhood to infiltrate the Sleepers. Um he was seventy eight years old, but didn't look a day over forty. Um, uh, Dugan Forsyth had also become young again, um, through Cleomantic powers, but Chanzri Lee, like Hugh, uh Hubert Lee, he didn't he wasn't that he wasn't the Cleomantic say yet. He already looked not a day over forty. I think he had some like, Tower's magic is all about immortality and retaining youth, so I think he had some access to some authentic thaumaturgy, relevant authentic sure. thaumaturgy. He said he was from the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose um, eventually. He infiltrated the Dugan's group. He learned cleomancy. He was already a mystic hermaphrodite, or a sexual rebus in the, in the current um, uh, vernacular. Yeah. Palance, yes. He drained the Forbidden City's major charge. And there's a the whole thing about how the Forbidden City was like the great Cleomantic grand prize. I don't know why. There were plenty of places. I mean, like, yeah, like, you
0: you can't get higher charges than major. After that, it's just a fucking dick-waving contest.
1: I think he was getting a lot of major charges from yeah. just going to different parts of China. There are yeah. lots of places that you can get a major charge in yeah. China. The Forbidden City is just one. Um, but Huey took that major charge, uh, bound a thermophage two the Forbidden City and cast his magic over the rest of the group and this is at a point when Dugan was drained and then a bunch of people claiming to be the Brotherhood of Harmony's Repose beat them up. Then Huey and a group went to England, set up and destroyed a fake sleeper base and then were surprised when Dugan's group went back there and were like, oh, we have to rebuild the sleepers. Like, why even bother doing that? I don't understand, unless they were deliberately going to make the sleepers. It it seems like such a weird plan to me. (laughs) I kind of-
0: Like, there's ways you can justify, like, okay, you're dealing with Cleomancers, these are people that are naturally kind of paranoid about kind of stated history and shit, so you want to have- If you're trying to trick them, you want to give them, like, a lot of concrete, tangible proof, as opposed to just telling them something right? If you want them to believe something, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird and convoluted. Um, I I, see, I I, I could see them pulling that, but I suspect there was some sort of other motivation at play with building some sort of weird, burned down,
1: semi-destroyed magic manor. Right. And this is part of the reason why I think that Hubert and possibly some of the other people we went with were schooled in England, because like for a bunch of Qing Dynasty, no, 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 not even that like Nationalist China like 1940s like 1930s rather um, Chinese cultist bureaucrat or ex-bureaucrats or whatever to go to England and set up a ruse that was so good that the the English history majors couldn't see through it <laughs> they had to be, like how are they so experts in the history of England no, that checks out, There's that checks out
0: and it also mentions, uh, there's another member of the Brotherhood that it mentions, uh, I forget his name, but he's in the, um, in Hush Hush, and they mentions like, yeah, he's a big Anglophile. He sends all of his kids yeah, to... That's Han. Yeah, that's Wu i want to get to him. Yeah. Yep. So it sounds like that might be a pattern with these guys to a certain degree, is that they tend to be Anglophiles
1: and into Western shit. Now, this is my smoking gun about the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose. Now, that sounds like the title, sounds like a very cromulent, sort of oriental, mystical name. Sure. Right? Now, I'm going to read you a passage. The peace of the body then consists in the duly proportioned arrangement of its parts. The peace of the irrational soul is the harmonious repose of the appetites, and that of the rational soul, the harmony of knowledge and action. The peace of body and soul is the well-ordered and harmonious life and health Of the living creature. That sounds like it could be something Confucian, maybe something Taoist. Sure. Right? Guess who wrote that? Saint Augustine. Ah. That phrase, harmonious repose, doesn't come from Chinese history, it comes from Saint Augustine. Okay. I think that Hubert made up the fucking name. brotherhood of harmonious repose that he pulled out of his ass when he was trying to like when he was tricking duke and forsyth he was making up this non-existent conspiracy based on what he knew about a conspiracy that did exist or didn't exist on and off in chinese history he painted a picture but he pulled that term from fucking saint augustine <laughs> So there's a few explanations I could hear for this I could see for this One,
0: maybe it's not that Hubert Lee came up with this shit On top of his head Maybe he was part of a group That took this name for some reason Maybe because some other guy within China Was trying to pull some on Some of his buddies Maybe it's because, like I said, these guys are actually Very influenced by Western mysticism Maybe Because we're seeing a pattern of the Of 30s era Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose. A lot of those guys are apparently pretty into shit coming out of the West. That's all fair. That's all fair. So yeah, like you're. you're so if you're talking about a bunch of uh, Chinese mystics that are very heavily influenced by Western mystic traditions that are getting imported at the time. That, and, of course, one of them reads St. Augustine is like, ooh, this is a really cool thing to name my strange uh, fucking um, occult suppression group.
1: Yeah, and I think that was Hubert. So you think Hubert did that himself. What makes you say that? Because he is a guy who we know is an expert in making up elaborate fake conspiracies, who rocks up with a story about being a member of a group that's existed since the Sui Dynasty, orchestrated the Boxer Rebellion, and then got blindsided by the Japanese. And, oh, now we've dwindled down to only 15 members, just the same amount of people that you'd expect in the cult of a powerful mystic hermaphrodite. But actually, we're an ancient conspiracy. And, oh, I've got these Cleomatic Magic Major charges. Yeah, this is totally legit. No, Hubert made up the whole thing twice. He faked the Brotherhood of Amonis Repose, and then he faked the Sleepers.
0: Hey, yeah, he's kind of like, well, it worked once, might as well try it again, uh, forcing it on other people. So my question yes. is... And it fits
1: with the Mystic Hermaphrodite, and he was a Mystic Hermaphrodite of East and West, so he didn't try about
0: Okay, no, yeah, see, that works out well, I get it. I mean, and sim- similarly... The way that Mystic Hermaphrodite is based on the balance of two, of a false dichotomy, East and West is also a false dichotomy. Right. Okay. Right. So here's my question for you. Here's my question for you. Do you think the rest of the uh, members of the Brotherhood were in on this? Do you think they knew that this whole history that Hubert had come up with was... Bullshit or not?
1: Maybe I think that they were probably he did the same thing he brain rinsed them and when he brain in the same way he brain rinsed the sleepers. So it just happens to be a mystic hermaphrodite that learned how to brain rinse
0: people and yeah. pulls it on some locals. Builds a cult for himself. Uh, some foreigners come in, start throwing their weight around. He gets scared, does the exact same thing. Yep, and then ends up
1: getting eclipsed. And then. Get this, and he gets killed in 1949, tracking down an Aztec revival cult. What the hell was he doing in Mexico? That is a damn He's good question. Gathering was major charges, he was getting major charges. Well, you know, they he mentioned that they
0: him. mentioned that he ends up becoming a Cleomancer, right? Yeah, which that's it, you know, any time be. dealing with an avatar uh, adept mix, that's a. It's a heady brew right there.
1: I think that, like, already all the... Like, Cleomancy started in Europe and Asia at this time period. I think most of the major points in Europe and Asia had already been hit. I think he was greedy for more charges. He was heading to the New World. He went to to some pyramid in Mexico and fell afoul of some cult by accident while he was trying to get a major... So here's
0: my question, right, with this guy... They keep bringing up Mr. hermaphrodite. that's almost a detail where it's like, okay, he's some sort of avatar, yeah. right? But I don't see the whole Mr. Hermaphrodite thing driving his behavior in any way as written in the book.
1: Well, it's because he's like the freak in terms of the fact that he's both an av- he becomes an avatar and an adept. So how does a uh, Cleomancer, just-
0: so what happens when you combine a Cleomancer and a Mr. uh sexual revenge gets- avatar?
1: You get how how, how do they
0: operate to how do they operate to
1: uh, power become more powerful on both sides of that? Um, you it becomes the duality of history, false and real history. Uh, maybe
0: um, I mean the other thing I could see is like changing history in certain ways to um, in a fucked up way suppress alternate gender expression, so as to make the avatar more powerful.
1: Maybe I don't know how. I mean, like, a
0: lot of cultures have third genders, fourth genders. I'm not sure if that sort of social role existed um, among the Aztecs at any point. But if it did, then I wouldn't be surprised if um, that was a big part of why he was there.
1: You don't have to be like that. Way of uh, manifesting the mystic and the sexual rebus. I mean, that's the problem with that avatar. Like naming structure, is it? Not all of them are all about the duality of the gender or non-duality of gender. Some of them are just about the non-duality of something else. Um, I think he was uh, sort of more a cultural East versus West. Who am I? Kind of identitarian. Uh
0: Mr. Cub. I could see that being coached you like pretty much any fucking um dichot- I I think one of the reasons why that stuff is so frequently coached in um man woman duality is because that dual that duality for as much as a lot of it's kind of bullshit, is something that pops up again and again and again and again, and again throughout cultures, pretty much all over the world. Uh, Anytime um, you have any sort of dichotomy or duality anywhere, there'll be someone that's like, okay, this one is men and this one is woman."
1: Yeah, that ties in with yin-yang as well. Yeah. But it's more than that. So,
0: but what I'm saying is that if he's coaching his own dichotomy in East-West, you could eat... I could easily see him ascribing, like, okay, West is feminine and East is masculine.
1: <laughs> all the or the yeah, other way around, yeah. yeah. And, maybe, maybe. I mean, I
0: think that also, like, I'm p- trying to picture this guy. It's like, okay, what does this guy look like? Um, all right. Uh, wearing, like, a very nice Victorian-era dress, but with, like, a very... But with, like, a traditional um, Chinese beer... Um, imperial broxy garb for the time.
1: He was an old guy that looked not a day over 40... I think he was quite dashing because he um but he dashing maybe in kind of a Bowie sense, quickly. you know. Yeah, I could see it like a Bowie. I don't think it necessarily he was that way, but it yeah. could be that way if you like, yeah. I, mean, like I think baby. this is an interesting character regardless. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You could do a lot of um, cool stuff I, if, with
0: him in a campaign. If you're running out of time or hell, maybe he faked his own death in Mexico and is still running
1: around. Now, I think that I don't I think he died. Uh, because the sleepers in China, not the sleepers, the, uh, the Brotherhood, uh, brotherhood yeah. such as it exists, they had a bad time. Yes, <laughs> it, yes they They had did. a real bad time, and they ended up fleeing the mainland in 1968, and this, this year is important. Uh, they only returned to Beijing, to return to mainland China um, the late 80s and 1992, after the construction of the Temple of the Reposing Buddha, which is said to be the center of the uh, brotherhood yeah. the is proposed center a sleeper center in china um said to have been fa- built in an, a small sui dynasty temple which might have been a real temple might have been a fake temple there were temples from the sui dynasty period in beijing but beijing wasn't the way it's described is like the temple was full of like sui and tang dynasty like bric-a-brac yeah. but during the sui and the tang dynasty and the tang dynasty um, Beijing wasn't a center of power. It was a military commandery on the northern edge of the Chinese sphere, constantly being harassed by barbarians. Um, it was the center from which the Emperor Yang, the second emperor of the Sui, launched uh, his disastrous wars against Gokuryo. Um But he did build the Grand Canal from Luoyang, which is where Lao Tzu came from, or lived, um, to modern Beijing. So there was, there was some, definitely some Taoist sort of history to it. But it's weird that it's full of, like, the other sort of temples in that era, they don't, they're they not full of Tang and Sui Dynasty stuff because most of that stuff wasn't there. All the good stuff was in Chang'an, in Xi'an, where the actual fucking center of power was. So it's a weird sort of fake temple devoted to, like, ginseng. So I think they kind of made this place up. It's got a giant clockwork in there. Yeah, so and that's pretty
0: that, that places it <laughs> relatively recently, especially
1: compared to how far back uh, their claims are. I think the Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose was Hubert's weird little cult. I think that they... The mechanomancy does go back to like the 1600s, 1700s, doesn't it? Oh, I I don't know where they got that from. I don't know where they got the thing from. Hey, yeah, maybe they they bought
0: it at a yard sale and was like... Fucking giant mechanical Buddha for sale.
1: They got it from the, the Chinese occult black market, yeah. probably. Now, one big thing, another great lie that I feel I might have discovered is another central uh, important item that they have, which is the book uh, of celestial etiquette of heavenly beings as they walk upon the perfume. I was going to ask about this, yeah, because I
0: was like, okay, how do you square this with the existence of this obviously very old book?
1: I, okay... We know that. I think, in my vision, the Brotherhood of Human's Repose. Most of its history is a lie. It's it is related. They are they do have some text from a from a ancient skull and bones esque frat from the Swedish. That, that they may
0: or may not keep popping up throughout. Um, yes, uh, throughout the independently uh,
1: popping up throughout the centuries. Right now, they escaped to Hong Kong in 1968 but they were always sort of connected to England. We know that. Um, What I think, what happened in around this time period, um, about 1967, 1960, 1960, 1967, Dirk Allen got a major charge, which he used to write his famous book, 333. um, As he was putting his final touches on the novel, based on his understanding of the visible clergy, Um, Angela Forsyth, Charles Hamilton, and a third sleeper, who is not named, walked into his London flat to have an essentially frank discussion, ending with an agreement. And Dirk Allen gave his copy of 333 to the sleepers, and then they took it away, and he threw up on the BBC. And that was the end of his fucking uh, reputation, for the most part. That third sleeper may have been Wu Zhan Han. Who at the time was a young punk and triad member who just turned into a cop, but was a. is also mentioned as an Anglophile, so has connections to England. I think. And we they say, oh, this book has been translated every sixty years for thousands of years. I think they translated 333. Three, three. <laughs> and that's the book of Celestial Etiquette of Heavenly Beings as they walk upon the first perfumed earth. I think they just took Dirk Allen's book, translated it on some old-looking scrolls, and have got and then as their cult expanded in Hong Kong, they taught they did it like, like the Imperial examinations were based on... So, okay, that, that, that that's actually very good. I just noticed something that kind of um, corroborates that. It mentions it's written in Mandarin. How old is Mandarin yes! the language? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, Mandarin is not the same thing as classical Chinese. Yeah. Um, it's not the same thing at all. This is post the period of time when people were making fun of um, classical Chinese writing with the famous um, poem the 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 lion in the stone den which is just like (laughs) (laughs) because of the way it was pronounced like words that were pronounced like back in like 2,000 years 3,000 years earlier people would read out like um classical Chinese and it was all distinct words but because of the change in the language like it was pronounced differently and you'll see this in um when you read classical Chinese poetry um if you read it, it doesn't sound as good in Mandarin as it does in Cantonese. In Cantonese, mm-hmm. it rhymes better. It has a better cadence because Cantonese is closer, is more closely related to ancient classical Chinese than Mandarin is. Um, anyway, that's just a... That's all a right, point. no, that's, a, well, you, that's but, a
0: very good point. If it's written in Mandarin, it, this thing is very unlikely to be over a thousand years old. I don't think it's a thousand years old at all. Well, but I it think, does say that the shit... Book. Like, they, they have records chronicling this going back a very long time. And I'd imagine a lot of that stuff couldn't have been in uh, 333 because 333 is only re- um, reflective of that era of when it was written, exactly. right? He didn't know what the clergy was like a thousand years ago so I guess the options there are it is isn't three 333 and that's just how strong his insight was or he... They made all that shit up. I think it was yeah. I think they a bit of a mix of both. I think or maybe based off primary sources that they have laying around from going back then to a sure. certain degree. There might be some sure. insight to be found in that old stuff, but it's buried.
1: And there is precedent in like I think they're still running. I think they've been expanding since moving back to China. I think they've been trying to get people. Um, Back on their own tricks with the imperial examinations, which is not the same thing nowadays, yeah, but the modern equivalent exists in terms of the big um the, the exams and exams in China are serious business they'll like have they 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 ground the planes it's a it's a it's a huge event when they have the major exams, and it's hugely important for your future success, especially if you want to go into the civil service or really anything so I think they they they're back in there. Um, I think they're using 333 as the basis for their occult um, teaching system, their occult education system for whatever weirdos they happen to discover who are, like, studying. And this has precedent in terms of um, during the Taiping Rebellion in the 19th century, they had imperial examinations that were based on the Taiping Bible instead of on the, class- the Confucian classics. Mm. Uh, so there's a precedent for that. So I think they just translated 333 and are using that as the basis for their so-called ancient like conspiracy that controlled china i think that they are just sleepers in modern that exist that really don't have a history in mainland china like that goes back really further than like the late 80s like except for like the early period um i think that their power is recent i think their ascension is recent i think that the chinese um, Occult Underground is a lot crazier and more diverse than it's often portrayed as because it's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of cabals and a whole lot of influences and I think they're just one of many. Yeah and that's 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 my uh, expose. Alright, okay. no, like you, you make is. some very good points. You bring
0: up some very solid evidence. Um, I guess my question at this point is like what are they like now? You went into it a bit but you know as is written in the in Hush Hush um what at that time they were very small um a fifth of their earlier size and that earlier size was relatively recent right so they had dwindled it, they dwindled to like a fifth of their size and that was like 20 people i think so they probably would have been like a 100 or so um at their
1: peak that was what they said like was the the uh, well okay well cuz like,
0: no they, they still get their shit kicked in like, they existed before Nanking King, and existed before, um, Dugan, uh, took out a bunch of their guys with his guys. So they obviously had smaller numbers after the 40s.
1: I don't- I, I don't believe that they existed, like, before the 30s. I think sure, but 30s. even then, that <laughs> cult
0: may have been, like, a
1: couple hundred people. Maybe. We know that, like, when Hubert made contact with Dugan, it was, like, only 15 left. Yeah. And that it waxed and waned, and they got wiped out. I think they waxed a bit under Hubert's rule. Yeah. And then when he died a couple of years later, um, they sort of survived for a bit and then got their asses kicked by well, so the waxed culture.
0: over Hubert's rule? But I thought Hubert was the
1: one that fucking made them. I think, yeah. I think that he made them from his cult of 15 okay. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it grew in strength and power based on the fact that Hubert's going around taking every fucking Cleomantic major charge he can get his hands on until he gets killed. Yeah. Um, I think they survive in China until they, get, they run afoul of the Cultural Revolution. I think they run away to Hong Kong and manage to survive only because the sleepers in England and Germany are now a thing and they're able to get support there. I think they're able to get their... I think Wu Jianhan's Han's going to get his hot little hands on. 333 translates it, uses it as the basis for building a cult in Hong Kong, which after the end of... After China opens up in the 1980s, they relocate back to Beijing and spread into China, probably going back into... Like the bureaucratic education system so they can expand and get the enough occultists and weirdos that they can educate maybe like sort of dropouts and things like promising dropouts that or um failed examiner exam um you know the that kind of people people that they can use to build into a cult of bureaucrats i don't think well they have a whole bunch tutoring of businesses
0: power. are fucking gigantic in china right like, and very powerful, right?
1: Yeah, academies. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like private academies are huge. Yeah, so
0: maybe they're involved with uh, some big private academy company and using that as their method for recruitment of people. Because I know those things can get pretty fucking insular too, right? There's like that. yep. I, I remember watching like a YouTube video or something like about that this one guy who was like sexually abusing a shit ton of his um female employees that ran one of those. And, like, there was this weird, very insular culture there.
1: Absolutely. Like, fucked up power dynamics within, yeah. yeah well, but, like, I and like also,
0: it. like, the thing is the CCP were pushing him as, like, uh, this big celebrity, basically. Like, a celebrity celebrity businessman. Uh, I'll, I'll try to dig it up in a later case. But, yeah, I could see th- th- that whole business um, had a very insular culture, to my understanding, where, like, you know, employees, the tutors, like, stayed in the door in dorms provided by the business and shit. Uh, big culture of secrecy. Uh, women aren't supposed to date outside uh, of the business uh, if they date at
1: all. That's, that sounds like a very idiosyncratic sort of organization. Sure, but
0: yeah, I don't think it's reflective. But I'm saying like there there's overlap between how uh, between cult dynamics and oh yeah uh, how a
1: um, tutoring company and academy can be run. Like it, I I think that's probably a a good um, sort of model of how they could be operating now. I don't think that they have that much political power in terms of like control of the over the CCP, like real like bureaucratic yeah, yeah. power. No, I don't think they have any more than the sleepers have over like the governments of Germany or England or Portugal or the US. Yeah. I think it's they they keep away from that because they they saw what happened to Falun Gong. <laughs> Yes, and they it. An so
0: yeah, army. what what do you think <laughs> is up with the Falun Gong and these? Uh, because apparently these guys have fought the Falun Gong, so that must, and that's relatively recent. So
1: I think that well, the Falun Gong are pretty much the occult mainstream, yeah, yeah. version of like there were lots of like sort of breath movements um, in the nineteenth and twentieth centuries in China and twenty first. I think that some of them probably like had real access to magic, and we know from the documents that there was at least one dude i can't remember his name uh what is it the uh the, the, the you know the the tai Chi dude um that hates um uh, in postmodern magic uh i don't remember who you're talking about um i remember the character i don't remember his name i don't think the falun gong is that like like actual mystical i think they're cult mainstream because they're, they're they're, they're a big well no i'm more thinking like
0: okay how do you think conflicts between the brotherhood and the falun gong have manifested because they, they, they have apparently. Um, what do you think that looks like? Um, I mean, the first thing that's coming to mind for me is like anti brotherhood of harmony, suppose propaganda uh, written in the margins of
1: the Epoch Times. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> the Epoch Times versus the brotherhood. Of yeah. Rose- <laughs> Rose- <that's- laughs> That's always good. Because the Brotherhood of Harmony's Repose has sort of, like, relocated, I think maybe Hong Kong might be the place that they, they fight the most. Yeah.
0: And what's that one fucking Falun Gong ballet? Oh, the Canadian one. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I see I
0: posters I mean. for it all over the place. I think it shows nearby, uh, nearby my apartment somewhere, but... Um, yeah. You know, 2,000 years of Chinese history, what the fuck ever. Are...
1: Yeah, you'll see, like, Falun Gong operates now outside of mainland yeah, China. yeah. I don't know how, what they're doing in... I don't think... That, I think there's not many left in Hong Kong, but definitely in Taiwan, uh, definitely in Korea, like like sort of Malaysia and also the West. Um, I think probably, probably they fought in Hong Kong uh, because that would have been the center of the Brotherhood until the, they moved back to Beijing and like breath movements... Like Falun Gong was big in the 80s and that's... <laughs> like Falun Gong really got themselves to trouble by having a mass protest in the middle of Beijing like if I was their fucking advisor political advisor in like 1990 whatever I would have been like don't do that the CCP's very crazy
0: um I mean like if they're going up against you know enlightened Tai Chi that might actually put them at odds with the CCP considering the CCP has that whole thing with like um, That's the one, Enlightened Tai Chi Because CCP has that whole thing of like Really pushing Chinese martial arts Even when they don't really work You've heard of Zhu um, uh, Zeng Dong, right?
1: Sounds familiar uh, He's
0: that like MMA fighter That keeps challenging like Tai Chi masters and shit oh, And yeah. kicking their shit in And got the crap out of them. Yeah, and got uh, uh, Given a ton of grief by uh, CCP And was like Banned from, um, like, a, God, what's the fucking Chinese
1: social media, the big site called?
0: Weibo? Yeah, banned from Weibo and shit. Because, like, all his videos got banned and shit.
1: If the Brotherhood was trying to move back into mainland China, like, from the late 80s, that was the time that when, like, Falun Gong was part of what was called the Qigong boom, um, when, like, a whole bunch of different uh, practices of meditation and slow-moving energy exercises and breathing emerged, of which enlightened Tai Chi was... One of them and uh, Falun Dafa was another. Um, there was more than that. There was lots. And this is also a time period when the Chinese government itself was also researching this sort of thing in sort of like a, in the same way as the Soviets in the US. It's, it's basically the Chinese sort of like um, men who stare at goats sort <laughs> of program. All right,
0: nice. <laughs> Any government, when they get big enough to throw some money around at shit, they always fund something like that.
1: I think they'll probably, like, okay, the CCP crackdown happened in 1999. So I think there's lots of time before that for the Brotherhood and the Falun Gong to get into battles. Maybe Falun Gong was a big player in the occult underground or occult mainstream or parts of Falun Gong
0: There's certain amounts of overlap between those two spheres. So yeah, maybe it's like, okay, they have such a strong influence over over the occult mainstream, that it bleeds into the, the local occult underground a bit. Sure.
1: Yeah, but it's the same sort of thing. It's like sometimes you'll hear like stories from the occult, Western occult underground of like Scientologists have got involved. Yeah. It's like, oh no. Yeah. Um, I think it's that level.
0: Well, yeah, like a lot of the, the, the power of cults doesn't come from, you know, the fact that they have enlightened masters on their payroll. It comes from the fact that they have a shit ton of money and manpower that's often very... Very dedicated, that they can throw at problems.
1: Yeah, I think the, the Brotherhood was probably fighting with Falun Gong in the nineties um, over influence um, within the occult underground. Probably kept its head, the, like as an organization, kept its head down from nineteen ninety nine onwards. I don't think that the Brotherhood itself got any too much major flack during the Whisper War. Mm-hmm. I think that was mostly the U.S. and Europe. Um, and I hit Japan too, Whisper right? War uh, well, we'll get yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I you telling me about that. <laughs> yes, that's true. I think they probably kept their heads down and avoided most of it. I think that, like, when the 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 book with when the when the manual was written, they were a small part of the overall sleepers. I think they've expanded since then. Um, I think they're a larger portion of the sleepers now. And are they still the sleepers? Well,
0: yeah. So I got two more big questions here one do you think these guys operate out of mainland china that much like are they in korea are they in um uh southeast asia are they in taiwan
1: i think so i think the further it gets away from mainland china the weaker they are i think korea is probably a good spot for them taiwan to an extent um although taiwan is gonna have uh, even more hectic occult underground because a lot of like uh, things that were old traditions that were wiped out during the cultural revolution were retained in Taiwan. Um, There's a bigger occult mainstream, like, more visible um, in Taiwan than in China, although, of course, China's huge and there's lots of it. I think that they're definitely there. I don't think that they're um, as scary in Taiwan. You're going to see Brotherhood operatives, like, in other parts of the world, but I think... I don't know if they have the main power to be everywhere. Um, The question is, like, what is their footprint like what is the area of concern because once like running like trying to be the sleepers in china is already a big enough task yeah well and like look
0: at how the sleepers (laughs) are organized now where it's like a cult aa slash neighborhood watch for the most part and but it sounds like these guys since they weren't hit by the whisper as much have probably maintained more of their centralized organizational structure
1: sure and that might, that might cause tension with, like, the sort of, um, brief drift, like, um, the sort of, like, organizational drift between the two organizations. Yeah, I could
0: see, it sounds like these guys are becoming increasingly distinct and independent from the Sleepers.
1: Well, yeah, because they would have been running, operating by themselves. And, like, yeah. is, like, is Wu Han even still alive? Um, probably not. I mean, you
0: know, these guys seem to be, um... They, they, these guys seem to be on average living for quite a while until they have some sort of mundane, but kind of hilarious accident. Uh, that, that's one of my favorite bits in in hush hush, where it's like, oh yeah, all these enlightened masters, uh, uh, you know, live to 130 until they slip on a uh, slip on a step stool and hit their head against a granite countertop. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean that's that's logical. Yeah, no, no it's logical. okay. Yeah,
0: when you live forever, that just increasing the probability that you're going to suffer a horrible accident at some point.
1: Uh, if you, if you don't if you don't die a hero, you live long enough to slip in the shower. Yeah, exactly. I suspect, like, based on my research about like how I feel that the original, um, the original Brotherhood which wasn't the harmonious repose but the, the original sway dynasty guys operated i would like some of that to like sort of come back and i could see like a sort of like a revivalist movement um within the modern brotherhood of harmonious repose which would be interesting because that would be get more into the, like let's be weird intellectuals and figure out magic by having conversations and stuff that could be a trend within it um as opposed to those who want to be more sleeper more like the sleepers and want to maintain the connection with the sleepers and then of course you're going to get like more nationalist minded types that want the brotherhood to be its own separate thing ruling china but i don't think they rule china at all i think china has lots of shit going on that they're barely keeping control of
0: so what i think could be an interesting little bit of synchronicity here is like okay if you you, you have all these different groups that keep on popping up a history independently right there's no real institutional continuity there um though they try to make it look like there is but harmonious repose comes from saint augustine but i like the idea of just somehow through weird coincidence synchronicity each time this organization pops up the way you say their name aloud always sounds the same so whatever, so however you say, Brotherhood of Harmonious Repose in um, modern Cantonese, whatever those syllables mean in classical Chinese, is or something pretty close, is what the name of that original uh, Sui Dynasty organization was. I
1: mean, maybe. I mean, it's just that's, an idea that's, 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 that's too much Heady linguistics for me. to Yeah like around, It like, means I each different. time
0: It's like okay What is this group like In this period Alright You need to Learn another language
1: Let's let's compare Old Chinese With Middle Chinese To Modern Chinese yes. To actual modern Mandarin Chinese. versus no, Yeah Cantonese How much does
0: The pronunciation Of Mandarin versus Cantonese differ A lot Okay yeah <laughs> There you go They're,
1: um, they're non uh, What is it uh, Non-intelligible uh-huh. Further Like this is the thing Like um it's very much... The example of China is very much proof of the phrase that um, a, a language is a dialect with its own army and navy um, because Cantonese and Mandarin are much, much more different than, say, Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah. Um but, but Cantonese is a dialect and Mandarin is a language because politics.
0: So, I'm thinking, like, okay, however you translate... Um, Brotherhood of Harmonious Repo- Well, actually, what was what was the most commonly spoken language um, in, at the time in like the 30s um, in the regions they were operating? Was it
1: Canton Mandarin? Uh, was it Mandarin or Cantonese? Well, actually, in the 30s, I believe that was before the government had enough time to really push Putonghua, which is Mandarin Chinese, as the main language. Uh-huh. Um, and, and added to the school like there was still a lot more um, because China is like very linguistically diverse but they there was a policy I think from the 40s onwards like I think of uh, to sort of um, standardize use standard Mandarin as the language of learning and the language of the media and all that but before that, I know that in Shanghai area, like Shanghainese, which is another dialect just as different as Cantonese, um, they had their own literature going on, their own vernacular literature and intellectuals. And I think it varied a lot, okay. Okay. depending on where you were in the country. Okay. Um, I think that good old Hubert, we know he spoke multiple languages. He could probably get by like the equivalent of Mandarin. Uh, well, Mandarin existed but it was before. I think it was before it was Putonghua. Well, I would associate Mandarin, Mandarin like with language. you know uh,
0: the Mandarinate, but that might not necessarily be true. You know the shit better than I do.
1: Well, that that was kind of where it came from. Um, it was called Guanhua, which is like a, it was this. It was speech from the courts, but it was the speech of the courts that was used in the Ming and Qing dynasties, which was a northern Chinese dialect, it was Mandarin, which comes from the north. On previous dynasties, that wasn't. Um, and they use different dialects and different time periods. It's 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 complicated linguistics. Yeah, I just realized, like, oh, fuck, I got...
0: <laughs> I got into the linguistics rabbit hole of Torps and I need to extricate myself quickly before we spend the next three hours talking <laughs> about this. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> pretty much.
0: I, I think it would be cool there's little bits of just weird coincidences that kind of chain the various organizations together, but it's nothing that could ever possibly be attributed to...
1: The actual founders of these various organizations because the, the problem with like the sort of weird synchronicities yeah. in linguistics and history that would like blow the minds <laughs> of like these sort of people like if they tried to describe it to us we'd be like what what does that mean okay it sounds similar it's like no you don't get it it means this it's the same as this and, like you know funny.
0: if it's the same syllables or roughly the same syllables going from different languages and then spread across over many centuries. There's a good chance, at various points, those sil- that sequence of syllables is going to be just complete gibberish.
1: It was probably more linked to written classical Chinese um, being consistent over time, because in the same way, like it's it's like Latin, or a better example might be um, Arabic. Okay. How okay. classical Arabic is is the language of the Quran. is used in like textbooks and um and the media it, but like people in Egypt and Lebanon and and Algeria are speaking completely different vernaculars.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, shit. Um, that, again, all the stuff you brought up sounds very convincing. Uh, you've made some v- damn good arguments and this does sound a lot like, uh, you know, logically how they'd be operating nowadays. So I guess, uh, the last question I have for you is, uh, what ideas do you have to bring these guys into a game? What does some of those look like?
1: Well, this is interesting because like I was sort of sort of like fixing the bits of the history which I was like I don't believe this. Yeah. Let's go deep deep. Um I wanted to sort of like paint the um history and the dynamics of the brotherhood as being a bit more complicated and can um con- contingent yeah. um and and ultimately empty but also um it's, it's it, we're back to the the um the, the 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 dynamic between emptiness and uh, provisional causality here. Um, Bring
0: the soul. Nice, nice callback. Nice,
1: nice fucking bookend there,
2: dude.
1: <laughs> I think they could be like this. Form could be like like do some more research and see how they operate in a game. They they work well as sort of like the if you're operating in uh, China they could be they could be the sleepers they could operate as the sleepers or sleepers with uh, but if they have multiple uh, factions within them that could also make it more complicated Um, alternatively you could play as them Um, it might be something that is especially if you have um, them as being not as powerful and well knowing about um, not as dominant in the Chinese occult underground as they make themselves out to be but sort of something that people are familiar with and can grok. Um, but the idea that they're expanding across China in, through academies and through academia and through, like, shitty sort of low-level bureaucracy um, so they don't, like, wake the tiger, which is, in this case, it's not the tiger of the public, it's the tiger of the fucking CCP, uh, which is even more terrifying. That's yeah, having China's these guys against like,
0: the CCP, I think, is a real interesting
1: dimension. Um, not against I guess, but at odds with the CCP. I would like if you were doing it that way, I would have them not being at odds with like the central CCP but be at odds with local like, bureaucrats and shit. like the corrupt uh, yeah. the corrupt local provincial yeah. governor or city governor, um, things like that.
0: Yeah no that that sounds solid. Um, yeah because it sounds like the, what these guys like the the biggest thing that these guys have at their disposal is a pretty decent and accurate knowledge of the statusphere that is probably 60 plus years out of date
1: yeah and it is it is like described as they they yeah as you said before they deal with avatars they deal with yeah. ghosts they deal with things Do you like think that that, that, you, that it sounded kind of simplified to me to be honest I think so and and also the description of the reason they're into that is because it said that most of the major mo- postmodern schools of magic haven't like penetrated into China yet I don't think that was true when the book was written definitely not certainly true. I certainly don't think no, it's yeah. true now. I think there's like yeah no um i I would say that it's not about like the postmodern schools of magics from outside infiltrating China. I think China is producing its own with some of which I've written up I do like um things for that. I think there are I think China's got a big country and it's plenty plenty postmodern um enough that there is gonna be all kinds of adept schools, and that could be like the f- like the framing of like a, a campaign could be your yeah, you are a brotherhood, uh, a Kabbalah brotherhood, guys, entering into, like, a new city, like, some second-tier Chinese city, um, trying to establish your foothold here, um, and discovering what in this particular part of the country, because, like, when you go, the kids, when you're gonna, like, um, this is why, like, I would be, um... Reticent to do like a, a, an episode just on China because, like, it's better to go on more specifically. Yeah, China. Yeah, it's like on. doing an episode on <laughs> America. And fuck, when we tried to yeah. do
0: Australia, it ended up being two, uh, two
1: episodes. So, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think. And we'll, yeah, we'll, like, we'll uh, how many people just... does Australia have?
0: How many people does China have? Yeah, exactly exactly
1: just go like have your campaign set in uh, a third tier chinese city with a population the size of australia's um <laughs> and then, then and then we'll get there. two episodes out of it exactly
0: shit all right um well uh the the chinese food's cold now that's true we're gonna need to take these down at
1: some point kind you know so, uh, yeah throw them in the corkboard pile that's true. i'll throw them in the pile of corkboard. Um. Okay, I understand the Chinese food, but why did you bring the? Why did you bring that like, that big like um, dragon thing? What the fuck are you talking about? You know, like like, like the one in the corner over there. Oftentimes the there are so many muscles run to so in a dial set there's so many tendon run into hold the penis and hold the testicle. So when you contract it, you are making the tendon and muscle stronger and you can control it. And that's why you can control ejaculation. Right. It's those the, muscles. Those muscles. Muscle. The p pe- we call the many. Okay. The many. There's a lot. There is more than a lot of tendon and, mu- and a muscle over there. Okay. Yeah. So when you pull for a while, you can feel that the penis started to moving, started to moving like that. And when you started to do that, you have a much stronger election and that muscle
0: also involved with the prostate gland and you can control it. Right. All right. It's yeah. so the prostate gland as well. All right. And I'm doing it right now. I know that's weird.